10 chapters or so, what we've been looking at is um, how how the Lord used this guy uh, named Paul and, and some of his trials and what he went through uh, near the end of his life. And so we get to chapter 28, and uh, and I don't know if you're like me, but kind of what you're anticipating is, okay, what happened next? Right? He he was on the ship, and we had the shipwreck last week, and we saw all of those things and just, you know, what Paul was going through. And, and, and so this week, we're at the very end, right? So what's going to happen? He's going to get to Rome, and he's going to stand trial, and that really isn't what you get. We don't, we don't really get to see the end of the story. We don't really get to feel what happened to the Apostle Paul. And, and part of that is, really, is there is, there's an end of the story, but for the end of the story, you've got to go all the way to the end of the Bible. You've got to go all the way to the new, end of the New Testament and the book of Revelation to see that glorious triumph as, as God in Christ pulls people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue together and they're singing the hallelujahs of God and the praises of the Lamb. That's the final end. And perhaps that's what Luke wants for us when we get to the book of Acts, right? Not to think of it as a, the final closing, but to think of, right, the Apostle Paul's ministry as merely a part of the first fruits, if you will, of what's coming for the church. And so for us to see that, we have to go to the passage that Marion read for us. And Marion read for us uh, out of Second Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Second Timothy, which is a little strange, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the end of Paul's life, and we're going to see what it looked like for him. And so it, in Second Timothy chapter 4, we're going to look at chapter 6 all the way to the end. And think of this as the ending to, um, to, to the story that we've been looking at for the last 10 weeks or so with the Apostle Paul. And Paul talks about the end um, as though he were running a race. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Um, a year ago uh, or so, I, it was, it was a September a year ago, I, I went and ran a triathlon up at Lake Lanier. And, um, and I did one of those short triathlons. I didn't a bit, you know, it wasn't the big Iron Man thing. Um, and so uh, that was my first, that was the first ever really race that I had run. And, um, and you start out, you do a, you swim for 400 miles. Okay, it was actually 400 meters, but it felt like 400 miles. So you swim for 400 meters, and then you bike for 3,600 miles. It was, I don't know, I, the number sounds so insignificant, but it was something like 16 miles. But it felt like 1,600, okay? And um, and then you run the last, whatever, uh, five, it's a 5K or, or some such. Uh, any of those, any of those I had never done alone, let alone together. And so I trained for the summer, and I went and I, and I, with, uh, with Glenn Merrill and Paul Slifko, and, and I ran that race. And I remember uh, first the swim, which nearly 
killed me. And, and thankfully, they had all sorts of people out in the water ready to rescue me were I to drown at that portion. But I, I drug myself out of the water and uh, made my way to the bike. And then I, I rode the bike, which, you know, once you've ridden a bike, you can kind of do that. And so I, I rode the bike, and, and thankfully, once you get going, the wheels keep turning, and you just kind of uh, make it. But, but then there's the run. And the, and the run is at the very end, and so I was out, and I was on the track, and I was running, and I was being passed by all kinds of, you know, people. And um, But I'm thinking, just just finish. Just finish this thing. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, and I remember uh, coming up to the very end, and you could you could hear the music was playing, and the guy was announcing people as they crossed the line. And there weren't many people left, but there's those people he was calling out. And And I was coming up. And I remember thinking, okay, turn it on, baby, right? Let's, uh, Paul's going to be there and Glenn's going to be there and be watching you cross the finish line. And they were, they were there. And there were all kinds of other people there applauding and people I didn't know. And I, and I felt, you know, I felt like I was finishing him first. Um, because as soon as I crossed, they put this big medal around my neck and it said, you finished. And, but, but as I came up, honestly, for the last mile, I just wanted to quit. Like, can we just end this already? Can we just, can I just call it good? I mean, I did way more than I've ever done. But I knew that finish line was there. And I knew that those guys would be there, right? How disappointed they would be in me if, if I didn't finish. So I kept running so that I would impress those guys that I trained with and and impress myself. And, and so I finished the race. But it was hard. It was difficult. It was challenging. And um, and I think as we get to the end, as we as we look at this section, you're going to see a little bit of, uh, you're going to see and hear a little bit of that in, in what the Apostle Paul said. We're going to also hear some really encouraging stuff. And so let's look at this end, finishing finishing the race. And um, and I promise to, to finish for you quickly. But um Here's the first thing I want you to notice, and that is that the race is agonizing. The race is agonizing. So Paul says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. He says, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Um, And so the race that he's talking about is life, and, and specifically the Christian life, right? This life in the kingdom of God. Um, the calling, if you will, that God has on him. And Paul is saying, I'm, I've finished what the Lord set for me. And, um, and of course, that purpose, ultimately, for Paul and for us, is to glorify God. He wanted to finish that race and to bring glory to God in doing so. Now, the word that he uses where he says, I have fought the good fight, is, is actually a word that um, we, it's the word from which, the Greek word from which we get our word agonize. And so there is, uh, th- this idea, it's a, it's a word that would have been used with kind of in the wrestling sports world to talk about the, the battle, the, the agonizing struggle of battle. And so it, it, it is interesting that Paul uses that, that word, right? I have, Fought, I have agonized in this good struggle, this good battle. Um, and I have labored and I have 
finished. And, and of course, if you, if we just go back and we just think about the last 10 chapters or so of the book of Acts, and, and if you want to look at it, you can, you can go to first Corinthians, or second Corinthians chapter 11, and there Paul lays out the struggle that he had. The battles that he went through, I mean, he was lashed uh, a number of times. He was, uh, we saw he was shipwrecked in the ocean. Um, you know, we didn't even talk, somebody mentioned this week, I, I can't wait to hear you talk about uh, Paul getting bit by the snake. Um, we're not going to spend any time on that, but he got bit by a snake in this last uh, chapter. Uh, but he had all sorts of trials. He, he has the, uh, the silversmith who opposed him. Uh, he has the riots. He has the near-death experience. He has being stoned. You know, Paul went through a tremendous amount of, of uh, trouble. And, and, and the struggle for him to finish would have been immense. I mean, I mean getting whipped within an inch of your life one time would be enough for most of us just to say, you know, I think I'm just going to lay low. But Paul kept preaching. He kept going to new towns, to new places, to, to take this gospel, which had transformed his life, to other people. In, in, uh, in, in the passage, um, we out of Second Timothy, um, we read about this Alexander the coppersmith. This is probably the same guy that shows up in Acts chapter 19. And, uh, and, he, and Paul says, he did me great harm. And he tells Timothy, watch out for Alexander. Watch out for people like him who would do harm to you, who would do harm to the gospel. Um, and, and it's important at this point, just thinking about the way Paul talks about finishing the race um, and fighting the good fight. Life isn't always, it's not the ridge line, right, with the beautiful vistas and the amazing views. And, of course, you know that. You know that that is often a struggle. And the Christian life is often a struggle. And it doesn't have to be external. Go and read the Apostle Paul's struggle in Romans chapter 7, where he, where he says things like, The things that I want to do, those things I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, those I keep on doing. And then he says, who will rescue me from this body of death, O wretched man that I am? And, and, and a lot of folks, uh, a, a lot of guys think that that was probably uh, you know, Paul's internal battle with wanting to, to make the law his righteousness as opposed to the gospel and, and his struggle and his battle with keeping the law of God. That's, that, that's an internal look at a man who was who was the apostle to the Gentiles that, that Jesus himself ordained. And he said, I had deep struggles, terrible struggles, but I fought that good fight, and I'm finishing the race. And I think for us it's instructive just to be reminded. It isn't, it's not all peaches and cream. The Christian life laid out for us, because of the fall, is going to be difficult. Here's the second thing that Paul um, really uh, says, and he says it in a couple of ways, but death isn't destruction. Death isn't the end. And the way that he says that is he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, 
and the time for my departure is near. Verse 6. Um, Paul echoes almost the, sa- the same uh, verbiage in Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2. Um, but it's this word departure that, that kind of captures our attention first. If you, if you look at that, um, it, the idea is of the cutting away or the loosing of, um, and, and it was often used in, in kind of naval terms. So, so the, the loosing of the ropes that held a ship. And so those ropes would be loosed and, and you would sail off. And, and it's interesting because Paul's talking about dying here. Verse six, he's talking about his imminent death, which, which at this point, so, so Paul is, um, at the book of, at the end of the book of Acts, it's, it's been two years. He's been in Rome for two years. He's entertained. He's preached the gospel. He's, he's been under house arrest for two years. As, if after two years in the Roman system, charges weren't brought, um, and, and the formality of the court proceedings didn't happen, meaning the witnesses didn't show up and the case wasn't actually officiated, then the case was dropped. And, and we assume that's what happened because we don't know that, uh, that his detractors came from Judea and, and brought their charges. And so that was probably dropped. And Paul, at tr- church tradition holds, he went and he preached the gospel elsewhere. He, he probably went to Spain is what um, church tradition says. And then he ended back up in Italy, back up in Rome at some point, and, um, and he was caught up um, in some persecution. And, and, and church tradition says he was beheaded. But... Um, but at any rate, so Paul knows at this point, as he's writing Second Timothy, he's once again in prison, some sort of prison, and he is thinking about the end of his life, but he talks about it not as the end. He doesn't say the end is near. He says, my departure is at hand. My departure is close. And, and you can think of a departure in a, in a couple of ways, right? So when I've never put anyone on a ship, has anybody ever put somebody on a ship and, and they sailed off? I think we're all probably too old or too young uh, to have to have ever done that. But, you know, in the old days, I don't know, we've got some Navy folks. You probably went down to the dock and saw somebody sail away. Yeah, right. And you're and you're waving bye bye and the person's leaving and you walk away so they don't see you crying and bawling your eyes out. Maybe you put somebody on a plane or someone or you've just departed right for us as a family in the military and and moving that was kind of a part of life i mean i remember in the back of the van driving away from our home at maxwell air force base waving to my friends and they were all waving back at me you know back then no internet no i'll never see those guys we'll never play green eyes ghost again in that neighborhood we'll never play hide and go seek one more time in the bushes and and so Paul is saying, the time of my departure. Very sad. But but what's happening for the person that's departing? Is there something good awaiting them? See, Paul says elsewhere, right? He says, we mourn not as those without hope. See, the resurrection instructs us and tells us that our departure isn't it's not destruction. There's more. There's more to the story. There is life to come. And, 
And that's what we hope for, and that's what we wait for, and that's what we eagerly anticipate is that after death, there's life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're going to talk all about heaven. So this is a little sermon. Uh, the third week in September, I'm going to start a series on heaven. And we're going to do that through the fall. And we'll have a, a lot more to say about that. But Paul here says, the time for my departure is near. The time for my departure. You think about death that way? He says something else here. He says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. So people were kind of split over this. Um, there was, a, there was a, a tradition. You know what a libation is, right? So a libation isn't just a drink that you have. You, it, it's, it was in the old, uh, the old way of the term was uh, for the Greek gods. It was, a, it was an offering that you poured out. You poured your drink out or a portion of your drink out before you entered into a time of celebration. And so you would pour your libation out to the gods, and then you would enter into your celebration. And the Jewish tradition, and it's the, the passage is found in, in uh, there's two or three sections in the book of Leviticus, and then Numbers 15 tells us about the drink offering, which was, in essence, a libation to God. And, and so almost every single burnt offering or any offering that involved blood had as a part of it this offering that the, that the person who was making the sacrifice would offer to God. And it was an offering of wine. And they would pour that out. Typically it was around a gallon. It was a lot, right? And you would give your good stuff. You would pour out the, you would pour out the wine in the sacrificial process. And that was, that rose up to God. It was, it was a part of your first fruits. And so, Paul is talking here about himself, and he's saying, I am already being poured out in the sacrificial process as a drink offering. And what he seems to be saying is, my life is a first fruits. I am part of the first fruits of the ministry that is going to come. So think about who he's writing to here. He's writing to Timothy. Young guy who's coming up in his ministry, he's pastoring, he's appointing elders, he's shepherding. And so he's saying to Timothy, right, look, the end is near, my departure is about to come. I am already being poured out as a drink offering to God. My life is the first fruit of your ministry that is to follow me. And so Paul uses these two ideas as, as he talks about his death. His life as a first fruits, a sacrifice, an offering to God, and then his departure, which is sad and also has that element of joy in it. Are you, are you thinking about, as you run the race, do you think about death and do you think about it in those terms? I find that we don't. And that's a, it's a challenge for us to think about it the way that Paul thought about it and the way that he spoke about it. I mean, he's probably within months this point of his death. He says, I'm already being poured out. I, I, I am a sacrifice to God already. My life has been sacrificial. Follow me 
in my sacrifice of offering myself, my services, my gifts, my talents. I preached the gospel. I went and, and did. I proclaimed. I, I went to the temples. I went to the synagogues. I went everywhere. I proclaimed Christ. And that's how Paul was pouring his life out. So death isn't destruction. Here's the third, here's the third thing that we, that we learn, and that is this. Faithful friends matter. In the passage, uh, Paul talks about his loneliness. Um, and let's, let's look down, because I didn't have Bobby read through it, but down in verse 16, this is what he says. He says that my first defense, now this is, uh, this is probably his re-arrest in Rome, and he says, at my first, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Right? There's another reference to his death. To him be glory forever and ever. And then he gives these greetings. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Tromaphus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. So he's talking to Timothy. Do your best to get here before winter. And, um, and then he dishes out some more greetings. And if you back, back up again, remember, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. It's just a fascinating little section. So, Think about it. Here is the Apostle Paul near his death at the end of his life. He's writing his last, kind of his last remarks, and he's dishing out greetings to friends. Tell so-and-so, I said hello, and, and grace to them. And, and, then he, and then he, this reference, Luke is with me. That's the Luke that wrote Acts and the Luke that wrote Luke. Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you. That's the Mark that wrote Mark. Now, I want you to think about this. Imagine Paul and Luke and Mark together and your Timothy. Those guys together wrote half of the Gospels, and Luke and Paul wrote nearly the, the remainder of the New Testament. And you're young Timothy, you're a young pastor, and you're going to sit at those feet but Paul was he was communal all these people fed him they they nurtured him he was disappointed when they weren't with him he didn't hold it against them he knows how difficult it is it's a struggle it's an agonizing part of the the the, the race but here he is writing about and thinking and thinking about other people and wanting that sweet fellowship as they all come together now now what do you talk about with friends? Well, you talk about all sorts of things. Paul had something in mind, which is why he says this in verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Okay, so he's probably headed into the fall. He knows it's going to be cold and damp. And then he says, and my scrolls, my books. And then he says, especially the parchments. Now, 
Scholars don't have, they don't know, they don't have any idea what, what this stuff was. But here is, now think about this. You're going to spend the remaining couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months of your life doing what? Well, if you're Tim McGraw, you're going to go skydiving and uh, Rocky Mountain climbing. and Okay? Um, uh, you're going to ride a bull and you're going to do all these amazing things. You're going to go do, you're going to go finish strong. What does Paul say? I'm going to read. I'm going to learn. I'm going to saturate. So the parchments could very well have been part of the Old Testament. Could have been some things he had already written. Could have been maybe an early, the earliest gospel. We don't know. But Paul wanted to saturate himself with his friends in good books. Do we have any bibliophiles out here? Any Anybody? Okay. Not crossword puzzles. Paul wants to read. He wants to study. He wants to look deep into some arena. Now, this is it's a little bit of a, of a side. That's how he's going to finish. This is uh, C.H. Spurgeon talking about this, late 1800s. He's talking about this passage. It's a little bit long, but, but listen to how he, he talks about this. He says, we do not know what the books were about, and we can only form some guess as to what the parchments were. Paul had a few books, perhaps wrapped up in a cloak, and Timothy was to be careful to bring them when he came to visit. And he says this, even an apostle must read. How rebuked we are by the apostle. He is inspired, and yet he wants books. He has been preaching at least 30 years, and yet he wants books. He has seen the Lord, and yet he wants books. He has had a wider experience than most men, and yet he wants books. He has been caught up into the third heavens, and he has heard things which it is unlawful for a man to utter, and yet he wants books. He had written the major part of the New Testament, and yet he wants books. The apostle says to Timothy, and he says to every creature, give thyself unto reading. Brethren, what is true of ministers is true of all our people. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will, of all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritan writers and expositions of Scripture. We are quite persuaded that the very best way for you to be spending your leisure is either to be reading or praying. You may get much instruction for books, which afterwards you may use as a true weapon in your Lord and Master's service. Paul cries, bring the books. Let's join the cry. That is Paul at the end of his life. Bring my books and my parchments so I can feed my soul, so I can read, be reminded probably of the goodness of the Lord. And then to sit with Luke and Mark and Timothy and to share in all of that together with friends. In running the race, faithful friends matter. 
Do you have them? Are you still investing in them? This is challenging. This is hard for some of us. We're not given to, to spend that kind of time, but, but, but are you spending that kind of time with Christian brothers and sisters? Let me encourage you to do that. Faithful friends matter. And here's the last point. Finally, we cannot run the race without the gospel. Cannot run the race without the gospel. And, and Paul ties it all together right there at the, at, at the very end as, as, he, as he gives his final greetings. He says in verse 22, The Lord be with your spirit, and grace be to you all. And that ties it all together. At the center of the gospel, at the center of everything that God has done for us, is his grace. Our salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's a gift, Paul says, so that no man can boast. And at the very end, the very last thing he would say to us is, grace be with you all. Live in the gospel each and every day. It doesn't just bring you into the kingdom. It is the method and the mode of living in the kingdom to be reminded all along the way of all that God has done for you in Christ. That unmerited favor of the Lord that brought you into the kingdom will bring you all the way home. The struggles, the challenges, the heartaches, the departure, you want to be caught up in the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. And as we've looked this morning into these last moments and days in the life of the Apostle Paul, what an encouragement to think that he lived his last days focused on you and your goodness. Would we run the race that way? Would we think upon death the way that Paul thought about death? A departure and a joy that awaits. We'd hold all this before you. We ask that you'd be at work in us as we agonize in the race. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together and sing about that amazing grace. Stand together.